Ready to live at the higher vibrations, where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Vibe. I'm your host, Robin Openshaw. And today we're going to have a conversation with someone who is off the beaten path from who we're usually talking to. Um, Tal Gurr is a blogger, an entrepreneur, and he's an adventurer. And I've, I've just met him here on Skype because I was really interested in reading a bit about what he's done. He made a huge goal of tackling 100 major goals all over the globe. And he had a lot of challenges along the way that I want to talk to him about. But I think that he's dreaming bigger than most of us. And I think he went for it. He went for many hard goals that he probably accomplished these 100 things um, in shorter time than anybody I've ever heard of. And he he faced self-doubt and he probably started with a, a struggle for his sense of purpose in life, but he discovered a lot of life-changing gifts along the way. And on his website, which is fullylived.com, you can learn more about Tal and his 100 Life Goals Project. So welcome to Vibe, Tal. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you, you're you an Israeli and you told me that you haven't been there in 10 years, but you're back there right now. What's up with that? Yes. Um, well, I've been a nomad for, for almost six years and I felt like uh, a calling for home. And um, I didn't really plan to come back to Israel, but you know, life, life in many ways directed me here. And it's funny because... You know, I came to the same place, but uh, but I'm a different person now. So I, I can see different things. I can value di- different things. And um, yeah, overall, I'm pretty happy with my choice so far. Well, I really have enjoyed reading about your journey. And you reached out to us to be on the show. And so I read about what you'd done. And I thought that is really, really interesting. I'm going to go check out what he's done. And if it includes a significant amount of service, then I really want to talk to this guy. And I was not disappointed. I read for a while about, um, you know, some of your different accomplishments. And I was like, wow, he is just really gone hard. But then I read about your, um, your service and your humanitarian accomplishments as well. And so while you and I haven't talked about this, um, I, I, I kind of want to start there. Why, why did that Why was that included in your list of 100 goals? And what are some of the things that you did? Well, to be honest, uh, it didn't feel complete without contribution. Um, You know, you can you can really enjoy life and then seek pleasure and achieve a lot and and do a lot of things for yourself. But without the giving component, it just didn't feel, um, you know, the the term is fully living. It just didn't didn't feel that I that I live fully if, if I don't give back. And actually, right now, you know, after I, I kind of finished my, my, my journey and my, my mission, I know that I'm here for service. So, so it just made me even more focused on service. And, and I can actually expand on that if you want. Yeah, I, I do want you to expand on that because I think that, you know, a lot of people are missing that sense of life purpose. And they're, you know, they might be 40 or they might be 60. And, and they, they might think, well, I've kind of jumped from this thing to the next thing. And I don't know, still quite who I am and what I'm what I'm here to do. And sometimes doing service helps you find that. And so yeah, expand on that for sure. And talk about some of your specific adventures in humanitarian work. Sure. Um, 
Well, before I go to, to some of the examples, um, maybe like, you know, let me kind of step back and say that I feel that a lot of people in the beginning of their journey, uh, they're kind of seeking external success. It could be whatever, relationship or I don't know, good job, new car, whatever it is, money. And then like at some point, I feel that some people really go into a stage of seeking internal success, which is, you know, bringing more happiness or let's say peacefulness to their life. When I got to this spot where I actually felt pretty happy with my life and pretty peaceful and, and on track, then like came, came, uh, and came this idea of contribution, which, which I felt that, okay, I've got all this, this success, all right, all this peace even in me. And, but, but for what, what are you going to do with all those gifts? And then like, you know, gave, came, came the step of contribution really in, in, a, in a big way. Um, some, of, some of the projects that I've done were uh, helping building a school in Dominican Republic and also organizing building a home for someone who lost his home in Peru, um, uh, like with, with mudslides, there were mudslides in Peru. And I also helped in Bolivia to build a, a school, for, like an English school uh, for someone who struggled. Uh, this is just some examples from, you know, from around the world. But, you know, I've done some other stuff like more more locally, like in a, in a smaller way. But to be honest, really, I feel that I, I didn't give much. Um, I, I still feel that I have so much to give. Um, and that's where I am right now in, in my life. So everything I do, actually, even even the projects that I take, I, I bring them from a, a mindset of service, not from a place of like, just what can I get out of that? But, you know, what can I give, um, you know, to, to that project, to that person and so forth. And one of the benefits is that you actually, you get a lot out of that as well, you know, when you give, uh, give so much. Uh, one of the things that I got is, is I learned who I am. Uh, this, is, this is a big thing for me. Like, you know, we talk a lot about purpose um, and how important it is. I feel that purpose is really linked to who you are in your essence. And until you actually go and explore yourself on a higher level, you don't really necessarily know what is your gift. And, and, when, and here's the thing, when you know who you are, you know what's your gift, you can actually really go for your purpose. You can really go and give that gift to the world and contribute in a meaningful way. I find it the, 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 the best way for happiness. I know that everyone kind of looking for peace and happiness, but for me, me giving my gift effortlessly is that's it. It, it, it that's the formula really so so yeah uh, similar to you i encourage people to just 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 go and jump jump on some kind of a project of giving and actually may, maybe i say another thing here uh one of the things that i did is i, I launched like a 30-day giving experiment which basically meant that every day i gave something for an hour uh, it didn't really matter what, like I just said, like for one hour, I'm giving myself uh, without wanting anything back. And I kind of launched it on Facebook, launched it like in another forum that, that I'm part of. And it was incredible. Like in a day, like my whole calendar kind of filled with people who actually wanted my help. And, and I was surprised, actually. I was surprised what people actually wanted for me. And then again, that gave me more insights of, of who I am and yeah, again, it was just brilliant. And I got so much out of that. So there's balance here, the whole idea of giving and getting. 
I love that. I love that you did an hour a day, even when you weren't off doing some, you know, devoted week or two weeks of building a house in Peru or another major humanitarian effort like that of helping serve every day. And that way it becomes so you're so mindful about it and, and it becomes part of your every single day. It becomes part of the fabric of who you are. That's, that's incredible. And you've probably never been interviewed where that's the thing that the person dives into first. But I just wanted you to know that we, I wouldn't have interviewed you if I hadn't seen that huge devotion to uh, serving others. And so I've been impressed with you on, on that level. So that's why I started there, but let's, let's back up and talk a little bit about why you spent 10 years completing a hundred life goals. And some of these took you all around the world. What, what was your life like before you started that? What inspired you to do that? Well, I lived a pretty conventional life in the sense that, uh, you know, I did a bachelor degree and then I had a nine to five kind of job. I had a career in IT and, but again, I, I felt like, I felt something is missing. Like, um, it was good. Life was good in, in the sense of comfort, but I, I feel that I really was, des- I'm really designed for growth and adventure. And, um, I kind of hit a crisis point where, where I asked myself like, you know, big questions, do I really want to live like that? And it really took me to my, my first big goal, which is actually like uh, going to Australia and do a master's degree there. The only reason I did a master de- master's degree in Australia because it was an ex- excuse for me to actually like explore like a, a new place, um, you know, a new culture, just ca- kind of getting out of my comfort zone. That was actually the first big goal. I didn't know that I'm actually going to do like 100 life goals, set 100 life goals around the world. I, I didn't really know. It just really happened from from that, uh, just this one goal. Uh, I can share exactly how it happened, like from that point. But, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll let you kind of decide if you really want me to expand, like how I actually decided like to go for the 100 life goals. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. All right. So um, when... When I was in Australia, actually, um, I, you know, I went for uh, for a dinner with friends. Like it was kind of a random uh, meeting, and we just started to talk about life goals and 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 bucket list and uh, New Year's, New Year's resolutions and stuff like that. And one of my friends told me that he doesn't plan so far ahead because his dad died when he was 40 years old. And when he said that, something kind of really hit me. Um, I felt it in my stomach. I felt like wow, how would I live my life if I only had 10 years to live? At, the t- at that time, I was 30 years old, and, and I kind of asked that question, and it hit me that I wouldn't waste time. I wouldn't wait an, until retirement. I would bring more urgency to, to my life, and that, that basically started everything. So I went back home. I, I made a list. Uh, it just turned to be a hundred life goals, but I just started to write things. Uh, I kind of divided kind of to 10 categories, 10 main categories, 10 areas of life that, that I felt that I want to fully live. And I said, like, I'm going to live my life like I only have 10 years to live. And yeah, that's basically how it started. The first year, by the way, I didn't do anything with this list. I just made the list. I, I totally kind of forgot about that. But the next year, I kind of, again, hit, hit the point where I reviewed the list and that started everything. So what were the 10 areas of life? Well, the, the first year was the year of socializing. Uh, so the first area was socializing. And one thing I want to say 
about this project, I said that every year I had I will have one big goal, one really big goal, and that would be the major focus of the year. Uh, so, for example, the second year was the year of fitness, and the big goal was Ironman triathlon, and a lot of goals, other goals, kind of led to that one big goal, uh, which is pretty cool to do, like you know, kind of setting kind of milestone uh, goals along the way. The third year was the year of uh, Freedom, where I basically went for financial freedom. Uh, that, that was the big goal. I gave myself one year to achieve that, and I can talk about that as well. And, and again, like if I went kind of year by year um, until the last year was the year of creativity, where I explored like drumming and being on, on stage and uh, composing an electronic song and a lot of fun things. So the last year was actually pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. So... I'm sure you hit some challenges along the way. What are what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced, and what you what you learned from them? Well, the biggest challenge actually happened on the seventh year. Uh, I think it was the year of relationship. That's how I called it. Every year I kind of gave it a name, and uh, I actually gave up on the list. Uh, I reached like seventy something goals at that point, but. The big obstacle was my relationship, my my romantic relationship, and uh, I felt like I felt like that I'm kind of hitting the wall each time. Like each time that I try to achieve, I, I I kind of I didn't succeed in many ways with with my achievements, and and I wasn't sure why. Uh, so I kind of decided to give up on the list and just focus on my on my personal life and uh, you know strengthening the relationship. But that didn't work as well. So, um, so at some point, I actually kind of went back to the list, and the, the list really helped me because I felt a little bit lost in life. So um, I kind of looked at the list and I said, "What would be really fun to do?" And I actually went to do to dance salsa for thirty days in Colombia. Really, just like just kind of like looked at the list and and yeah, in in a way, it really saved me <laughs> because I went back to the whole project. But, but yeah, but the the really the, the big obstacle was the the relationship that actually collapsed. Uh, someone I really loved, um, but you know I got a lot of gifts out of that crisis. That's another thing that that I actually write in my book. That uh, there's, there's a kind of a mini chapter called "From Crisis to Calling." When I look into my journey, every crisis that I had, each and every crisis that I had, actually had a gift in it and led me to something greater. So nowadays. Even when I hit a crisis, I don't necessarily need to know what is the gift right away because sometimes it's hidden. But at least I know there is some kind of gift behind it. And that actually allowed me to relax um, and kind of manage the crisis in many ways. Yeah, I think that all successful people come to some kind of conclusion like what you just said, that there's there's a calling that you find in the crisis that's, that it leads to something greater. And I've had the exact same experience Every single hard thing that I've been through has made me more resilient and more resourceful and a better person, a deeper person, a more compassionate person. And as you were talking about the the focus, one of your 10 foci are relationships. I was like, oh, I want to hear about that one because you can be a very accomplishment oriented person like you. And I mean, not all your hundred goals were something you could do in two weeks. I mean, I believe an advanced degree was one of them. And, and I almost want to like, look back on my last decade. So I'm like 10 years older than you, but 
I almost want to look back on my last decade and go back and like write down a hundred goals and then check them off just for the <laughs> sense of accomplishment. But, you know, I, I feel like the category of relationships is different and we can't even look at it like other things where we have total control. If we say, I'm going to get a PhD, I am completely in control of, of finishing that goal, but staying married till, till death involves another person's choices. It involves how we, I work together with that person. And what do you think about the fact that those goals are different and that sometimes relationships have a lifespan? And before you answer that, I want to share with you a quote that I got from Amy Poehler, the, the comedian. I think I've mentioned her before. Just I haven't, even, I haven't even read her autobiography. I just read this quote from her autobiography that she said, I don't consider the end of a 10-year marriage to be a failure. Or, or maybe she said, I don't consider a 10-year marriage to be a failure. And that really hit me hard. It hit me hard because I had spent a lot of the last decade in grief or feeling like a failure or feeling um, judged often by my own extended family or my community for walking away from a 20-year marriage. And um, you know, and there are four children involved. And so I wonder what you think about that. I wonder what you think about the difference between our relationship goals and that sometimes maybe the the outcome is a peaceful, a peaceful end to a relationship or taking the good from it and moving forward and not so much clinging to it and letting the end of it ruin the next next 10 years of our life. What what are your thoughts on all of that? Well, one thing I want to say is, uh, you know, before I talk about relationship is for me, the end goal is not what really uh, it's it's not the most important thing. What's really important is the, the person you become along the way. So the goals or the hundred life goals, it's a, it's a cool story, but it's just a container for, for personal development, for personal growth. Um, also, one thing I want to say about my goals, like, you know, the 10 categories were fixed, but in, I allowed myself some flexibility within those categories. So I, I allowed myself to kind of adjust different goals and, and change from time to time. Um, but it, it was always like, you know, 100 life goal, always 10, the same 10 categories. Uh, okay, going back to relationship. Um, first of all, the most important relationship is with yourself. So you always have yourself in that sense and you really want to have a, a good relationship there. Sometimes people come, um, you know, you think that they will stay for the rest of your life, but they come for, uh, for a lesson that, that maybe you need to learn. And uh, it's good not to cling to relationship uh, in that sense, because, you know, sometimes personal development would be to actually get into that relationship, but also like, Again, personal development would be to get out of that relationship. And sometimes you know, like, you know, uh, you kind of you need to know when's the right time. I really feel like the whole concept of failure is it, it's really, really important to define, define failure. Um, if you define it in terms of end results, then, you know, again, the whole idea of clinging and there's no really personal development, there's no really growth because because the truth is always in the moment. You can't really like, you know, um, you know, if you look you look into the future and you say, yeah, I want that, but you don't really know what's gonna come your way. There's always insights in that sense of coming. So for me, my definition of failure is, is pretty flexible. Failure for me is not like pursuing a goal, it's just a pursuit. If I don't go for what I dream, for what I want right now, 
that would be failure. Not the trying, the actually going for it. If I achieve it or not, that 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 doesn't matter as, as much, you know. So that's that's not failure for me at all, um, and that really helps to actually go for for what I, what I what I went for. I feel a lot of time people basically give up already from the beginning because they they either don't believe that they're gonna achieve the end result. Um, you know, especially like really, really big goals. Like let's say, I don't know, financial freedom. It's it's a big goal. It re- requires a lot of effort. And if you go to it without like being okay to fail, quote to quote, along the way and do mistakes, it won't happen. Also, if you worry too much what other people think, it may not happen because you would say, no, 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 I don't want, I don't want to do that because, because I may fail. But that's not really failure. You already failed by not going for, for what you want. That, that's basically it. So, so I think mindset is really important here. Yeah. When I was in graduate school, I did two years of practicum. And one of them was with uh, kids who are at the very end of the line that failed out of foster care. They all come came from broken homes. A lot of their parents were prostitutes or drug addicts or in prison. And so these were kids who had who had lived a rough life. And here they were at 10, 12, 14 years old where they were they were with us in therapy. And I ran I did a lot of individual therapy and a lot of group therapy with them. And I remember one of my mentors in that uh, second year practicum I did, uh, he was observing me run a group session with these kids. And he said to me after the session, he said, you've got to realize that it's the process, not the outcome. It's the process, not the product that's valuable here. And I realized that I had been trying to force some outcomes in this hour or two hours that I would spend with my group of kids. And I realized from that, it struck me like a thunderbolt because I realized that it wasn't just how I was running groups for my clients that I wanted a specific outcome and that I, I, I would, I would be well served by letting go of the outcome and that attachment to outcome, but also to just enjoying the process. And it sounds like that is something that you achieve too. And, and I've come to realize about myself that I'm always gunning for the finish line on a, on a project. And then I realize that I'm actually in love with projects. Like I just actually like doing the project. And so once I realize that about myself and I realize that the project itself, the doing of it is at least as pleasurable as getting to the end and launching a book and hitting bestseller lists or whatever, like actually like all the pro the different parts of the process sounds like you discovered something like that too yeah uh i actually call it process over outcome i mean the outcome is important because it gives you a direction and and the key word is here is direction uh it's not necessarily again achieving what you want it's that it's that you have a direction it gives you like you know uh you can you can look at that and say that's that's where i'm heading the process i value it more because for, for many reasons actually first of all um a process is actually in the present moment where an outcome is really in the future and you don't have full control, uh, you know, on the future, but you do have control on what you're doing right now. You, you can decide, all right, that, you know, I, this is my habit and this is what I'm doing right now. And uh, I don't know, I'm going to send hundred emails today uh, asking to help me or something like that. That is in your control. So I like that. Uh, when, when I, when I focus on the process, the other thing is, a process is, is ongoing, which means you can actually really enjoy it along the way, where an outcome is usually a kind of a one-time result. 
And when you actually get to the end, uh, when you reach it, that's it, you're done. And a process is something like you go again and again and again. Um, yeah, that's just a few reasons to kind of value process over outcome. I, I feel they're both important, but, but you know, again, I, I focus on the process. That's, that's uh, the main, main point here. Yeah, another mentor of mine, Dan Sullivan, I'm actually flying tonight to a little one day conference he puts on, but he taught me about the gap and living in the gap and people who are pushers and achievers like you and me, we, we get to, we, maybe we set a goal that we're going to start a business and it's going to do $2 million in year two. And we get to the end of year two and we made $800,000 and what an overachiever will do is that they'll look at the difference between $800,000 and 2 million and they'll measure themselves that way. But what a more emotionally healthy person is going to do is that they're going to look at that $800,000 and they're going to measure it from zero, which is where they were at the beginning. And they're going to, they're going to really live in that. And that is going to be their fuel to the next project. But I like what you're saying. What you're saying is that, you know, if you're going to live on the adrenaline rush of the outcome, you only get that for a minute. You get to the top of the mountain once, but you're climbing that mountain. You're in the the process of it for a long period of time. So might as well get used to it and really learn to love that place too and enjoy it, right? Yeah. And you touch uh, another important point uh, around, I would say, like the, the measuring, measuring the success in, in some ways. A lot of time we tie our happiness to, our, to, the, to the goal or the future event. And that, for me, that that is uh, um, that is a recipe for failure in many ways. Because again, you're tying your happiness to something that may or may not happen in the future, versus really enjoying the moment. And and a lot of things can come in the moment: new insights, new people. And the if you kind of disconnect the happiness from it, right? Uh, you know, achieving or not achieving the goal, you can actually really enjoy the journey. Otherwise, it's just going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to be happy if that comes my way. A conditional happiness. And I really believe in unconditional happiness. And, uh, yeah, that's, again, another way to kind of look at that because I feel in our society, like, we really, this is almost like something we do automatically. Like, we, we, we tie certain feelings to, to outcomes. And if we can actually break that, that would be, like, extremely valuable for for a peace of mind and, and enjoyment. Yeah. Let's take a different direction. I, I know that one of your meta goals was to be, was to achieve financial freedom. And I know that anyone listening to this would be interested in that. What, what specific steps did you take towards financial freedom and how do you define that term? And did you, did you arrive there in 10 years? Well, uh, the goal was in one year. So yeah, I arrived it in one year. Uh, the definition is really important because everyone, I mean, you can have different ideas what, what financial freedom is. For me, financial freedom is, uh, the, my definition is passive income is greater than expenses, lifestyle expenses. And when you think about it, when you reach that point, you don't have to work. You can work, but you don't have to because there's income coming that covering your expenses. Now, this this definition or formula really have two sides to the equation. Um, one is like how much passive income you have uh, on, on an ongoing basis, monthly basis, whatever. And the other side of the equation, it's, it, it's like how much, how, how much expenses you have. 
And what I did really, I, I minimized my, my expenses to the minimum possible in the beginning of my journey anyway. And then I increased the passive income that I had. I really started from, from almost nothing, yeah? No passive income. I actually started from um, like a big debt, like I had a $30,000 debt when, when I started the journey. And so part of my journey was to clear the debt, build passive income sources, minimize the expenses to the minimum, and then kind of achieve financial freedom. Just to give a little bit like, you know, uh, background to my personal story, to I actually, in the first year, after I achieved my financial freedom, I went to travel uh, in India and Nepal, which are really, really inexpensive places. Uh, you can live there for less than, uh, if you want, less than $500 a month. Uh, but, but even $1,000 a month, it's pretty comfortable you know, to, to live there. And it was good for me because that, uh, that allowed me to actually work on my businesses and build even more passive income. Basically, I had, I had full control of my time. I feel a lot of times, basically, uh, the beginning is really hard because we don't have full control on our time. Most of us as like a, a job, we have to, you know, uh, kind of sustain ourselves. But when you get to a point where you have full control, like full, full control on your time, you can focus all your energies on, on, on building businesses and, and building the, this, uh, this wealth. So yeah, that's basically my journey. Just to be more specific, like, you know, my passive income uh, uh, was done via like online businesses. So kind of online income, but, you know, passive income doesn't have to be online. It could be like real estate, uh, you know, re- rental, or it could be a dividend from stock market and so forth. So, so there's, there's few ways to actually get there. But the most important thing is to focus on the passive income component. Yeah, very smart. And I like that part of your, um, you know, getting to a place of financial freedom is being able to live on less. I think a lot of us have become so materialistic that, you know, I just have so many friends who I enjoy being around them when we're talking about things that matter. But when the talk gets into like stuff and things and things everybody wants to purchase and what kinds of cars and what kinds of, what brands of, what, purse brands or whatever. I have just have no interest in it. I have, I cannot make myself get interested in talking about brands of shoes and purses and shopping. I just have, I I don't, I don't know. I'm missing that gene or something like that. But I think part of financial freedom is managing your wants and, but yeah, for sure, increasing your passive income. And I've focused in the same places as you real estate. Um, and, and uh, having an online business. But, you know, it's also been so freeing for me so I can free up more time to do what I want to do. And ongoing, what I really want to do is spend a lot more of my time in service. Yes, 100%. I want to say something about uh, minimalism, which I really, uh, is one of my values. So a lot of people kind of confuse minimalism with uh, being frugal. Uh, or, and, I, and I think it, it, my definition is really different. Like, you know, I have a very expensive laptop, so I'm not frugal. But this laptop, I don't have, a, I don't know, like two laptops, let's say. I don't really spend on things that I don't really need. But when I need something, really need something, I, I buy quality stuff. Uh, when I got into the financial freedom journey, I had so many, I had so much stuff, like clothes, every color, whatever. I kind of compensated and I feel like, uh, you know, in many ways, like 
the, the Western culture, let's say, is really based on that, on consumption. Uh, you, you're bombarded with, with advertisement that tells you, yeah, you're going to be happy if you do that or buy this or drink that or, or whatever. And again, like that's not really the case. I mean, it, you, you may get some pleasure and happiness, but it's a, it's a short-term happiness. So it's really a trap, I feel, uh, you know, to go that way versus like just really adopting a minimalist lifestyle. Uh, I think it's, it's key for happiness as well. Yeah. Makes it easier to travel. Um, you know, I used to have multiple homes and I found that it decreased my freedom and my happiness and it increased my hassles and anxiety. And I find that having less stuff and having a smaller house has increased my happiness. What do you think? Hundred percent. It's a uh, it's a question uh, between needs and wants. So the way I look at it, if you really want to be happy, if you really really want to be happy, when you think about it, you may want to decrease your needs to the minimum. Let me share a story with you. Like half a year ago, I I was bitten by a snake, and I almost died. I really almost died. I was I was choking and I didn't have air, and it really had hit me. On that experience, that what are we, what we really really need, I mean, it's really one thing, maybe like two or three things, but what we really really need is air, <laughs> oxygen. That's what you really really need. But when you, you know, most of us, you you know, we walk we walk in life and say, I need a relationship, I need I need a, a better job, I need. There's so many needs, and obviously, you go, if you tie your needs to to happiness, you 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 you'll be miserable. But if you make it a want, you say, yeah, I want a relationship. I want a new car. But if I don't get it, it's still great because, you know, I have my life. I have I have I live, you know, and as long as I live, I'm happy. That's a pretty good formula. As long as I'm as as long as I live, I'm happy. Uh, Yeah. You just set yourself for happiness. Yeah. So so interesting that you bring that up. Um, And I'm sorry that happened to you with the snake bite. I'm glad you survived that. How terrifying. Yeah, but that was a crisis, that, again, a gift, a, a huge gift that came out of that. I can even expand later other gifts. But like, um, you know, I feel sometimes those crises happen and we say, oh, wh- why, why, why am I in the hospital and, and so forth? But then like, you know, a few days later, you realize, OK, there's a big gift here. And um, yeah, so, sorry to kind of cut you, but I felt like uh, just to mention that. No, no, you're the guest here. You're the one we want to hear from. But, I, but it's interesting you bring that up because right before our um, interview, I actually ran to the store because I'm I'm leaving town for 11 days. And I was like, oh, I need to make some more food before I head to the airport for my son and set him up for meals. So I ran to the store and I'm in the health food store. And in front of me checking out is an old friend and I have not seen her in years. And several years ago, her husband died. And it was pretty sudden. He'd had he'd had leukemia, but it was very managed. They'd done all the right things holistically. He was very much on top of it. They'd been out hiking just days before. They had a big like four wheeling trip planned for a few days. And he got pneumonia and he just he just died. He died in a matter of days. And and I had talked to her family a little bit, but I hadn't talked to her. I was out of town for the funeral. So I hadn't seen her since her husband died. And I said, How are you? And she said, She her eyes filled with tears and she said, It's rough. Cause I said, cause I said to her, you know, you've been to hell and back since the last time I saw you. And she goes, no, I haven't come back from it. I'm still in hell. 
And I said, Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. It's not, there's no, no adjusting, huh? And she said, she just kind of told me her story. And she said, this is not how I planned on spending my years. Now she's in, I would say late sixties. And I was just thinking about it. And, and she said that she said, she said, this is not how I was planning on spending this part of my life. And I just can't, I can't get my head around it. And I said, that's exactly how I see myself when I'm your age. Well, that was probably not the most sensitive thing to say. And I don't share this story to say, to, to criticize her in any way, because she gets to have her adjustment period. And if, you know, this past four years has been super, super tough for her, I have nothing but compassion for her. But I, I realized that our expectation, like she had a positive marriage, she loved her husband, they were, you know, very much each other's companions for probably 40 years when he died. And I don't have that expectation. I fully see myself in my late sixties, single and completely happy and loving it. And granted, there wasn't that big loss there, but her expectation was I get to be old with this man until I'm 90 or else I will be devastated and miserable for many, many years. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying this to criticize her. I'm saying this to make us think a bit about our expectations And do we have to have outcome X, Y, or Z in order to be happy? Like, can you be happy even though you had a a major relationship with someone you loved very much fail? I bet you've learned some stuff about that. Yeah. I mean, actually my whole journey when you think about it was, was around, uh, it started from like looking at my, uh, looking at death. Like I said, I, I give myself 10 years to live and, um, so, so that was in many ways a gift because I kind of shortened, um, I shortened kind of the journey and brought again, as I said, urgency to 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 everything. But but I want to say another thing here about happiness. Actually, um, you know, it really depends if you if you say that like you know your big if you say that your big goal is happiness, then what I said is is true, right? Like remove all your needs and and just like you know live living in the moment and. And just kind of live happily. But a lot of time, you know, there's a lot of other emotions like unhappiness, let's say, that kind of serve us. You know, I, I don't look at hap- at the emotions anymore from a standpoint of view, of stand like that is negative or positive. I feel that, uh, you know, again, we create unhappiness because there's a, there's a reason for that and it serves us. And a lot of times, like a person would choose to keep being unhappy and you know, as a coach, I sometimes coach people, I don't necessarily assume that he actually, like, you know, that he want, that he would go for happiness right away. I would maybe explore with him, you know, the benefits of being unhappy and then maybe explore, like, you know, ways where you can actually get the same benefits with happiness, you know? So it's a very sensitive, actually, kind of, um, I feel, place that, you know, the range of emotions like, you know, that come. Um, if, I, if I think about like really my big goal is, is service and contribution and giving my gifts uh, and being on my path in this world. And sometimes I would use unhappiness. Sometimes really I would use unhappiness. Usually what I do is I shorten the amount of unhappiness because, uh, you know, the, the gift there is usually uh, a huge motivation. And just being aware of the unhappiness that, that I do. The, the other thing that I want to say about unhappiness, I make sure that I'm not judging my unhappiness. Because when you think about it, when you're unhappy about your unhappiness, you're in a cycle, and that usually leads lead to depression. Depression is just the cycle of unhappiness. 
Uh, but unhappiness on its own can be okay. That's just like a few kind of my philosophy around, around uh, emotions. Yeah, I just read a book called Grit by a psychologist named Angela Duckworth. And she was talking about how the research shows us that people who are optimistic see their unhappiness as being something specific and solvable in short term, mm. whereas the pessimists see their unhappiness as being long term and unsolvable and general. Yes. Yes. And so, yeah, getting to attach to your uh, unhappiness, being unhappy about your un- unhappiness is that's good mindfulness talk right there. And um, when I'm unhappy, I immediately laser in on, oh, I'm not feeling like my usual happy self. What is wrong here? And how can I work to resolve this energy block here? So, well, another another reason I was really attracted to your message, and we'll get to you in just a minute, Tall, is we'll get to your book and where to get it, is that when I read about this, I was I was 50 and I was having a little bit of a crisis nothing too major, but I had spent the last decade writing 15 books. Some of them hit most of the bestseller lists. I built a really successful business. I'm finishing raising my kids right now. My youngest child is going to leave for college in a few months. I'm empty nesting, facing a lot of life transitions. And I feel like I did all the things. Like I I got the advanced degree. I did 20 years of marriage and learned a lot and raised all the kids and and I kind of hit this wall, like, and, I, and I've traveled all over the world and I've lectured all over the world. I was like, well, what now? Like, what? And, and that might sound like bragging. And I really don't mean it that way. It, it's more like I have worked so hard and I've done so many things that I'm kind of like, and so what now? Uh, what's what, what, what will give me purpose from here forward? I'm going to continue to run my business and help people. Luckily, I have a business that, that serves people, but I couldn't think of any big challenges to tackle. And I had spent my life on challenges. And so I'm wondering with someone like you, who's done a hundred hard things in the last 10 years, do you feel well, like, well, I can die yeah. now or you, or what do you do next? <laughs> First of all, uh, yeah, it resonates. Uh, I actually, I'm in a little mini, mini crisis right now, but not, not too big, uh, personal crisis, but, um, it, again, as I said, there's a gift there. But, you know, may, maybe let me ask you this question. Like, what you said, like, there's no more challenges. And, and my question is to you, why do you even want challenge? What's the benefit of actually having a new challenge? Yeah, good question. I think I'm addicted to it. And so that's why? part of it. Because I, it's all I've ever done. And, and I really think that's actually one of my challenges is to not have to have life be so high octane and be happy there. Mm. Well, you know, to me, like similar to you, I love challenges. It's actually it's in it's in my DNA, all right, like growth in general. So I, I usually challenge myself to grow, and a lot of time I grow in different directions. Uh, you know, again, my first year of my journey was the year of socializing. I actually did a little partying and and a lot of stuff. I learned English in you know high, higher high level English, but overall, the way I look at it is, you know, you can look at your life and say, where do I want to grow? Where do I want to grow right now? It could actually be like, you know, in, in, uh, I don't know, in the, the year of love, right? Like, like even like, like asking, asking yourself, like, am I loving the best way I can? Like, am I loving myself unconditionally and other unconditionally? 
when I think about it, actually, this is this is the ultimate goal, really. Like we're here to train to love. That's that's what I feel. Uh, and we we have all those challenges, you know, along the way, all those relationship and whatever. And we actually really train. We exercise. And I feel like it's 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 building this. Um, you know, you're building yourself to to get to a point where you can actually like not only love yourself but others as well, and being happy with who you are and and, and so forth. And a lot of time you need like this, you know, I don't know, going to Bali for 30 days of yoga. You need maybe just just again, it's a container, it's a journey. But along the way, you grow, you you become a, a different person from from where, when you started the journey. So that is you know what really drive me. Uh, it drive me to really be a better person, a more happy person, a more peaceful person, a more loving person, really. Which, by the way, it's actually the same words to me. Happiness, love, and peacefulness, it's actually for me like synonyms. It's the same word. And, and I can even like expand on that, uh, why, why I see, see that way. Um, but, you know, again, it doesn't matter the words. It's more, more important like what is, what you feel is an area that you want to grow in. And I'm not just talking to you. Yeah, I'm just talking in general to whoever, whoever listened to this uh, podcast. I love that. Very wise words. So what would you tell somebody who's starting out on a journey like yours, setting a bunch of big goals? Um, that would seem very daunting if you had set all hundred of those goals in the very beginning on day one and, and torn off after them. What would you tell somebody? Well, I feel, first of all, um, some, you know, the goal needs to be something that really inspired uh, it doesn't have to be a big goal, but like something that you really, you know, there's inspiration in it um, because motivation is really important, especially if the goal is big. And if, if there's not enough fuel behind it, if there's not enough uh, why, like a uh, big why behind it, you, you know, you may kind of quit or you may like, like, you know, go back to your old habits. So, yeah, like, like big motivation, inspiration, uh, th- that kind of thing. The other thing is like, to have some kind of a process uh, to achieving goal. Mine was around, uh, you know, setting milestone goals. I used, uh, you know, accountability. I use like sometimes support groups, a coach. So there's there's many ways to kind of support your journey. And I feel like, you know, a lot of time we kind of say, oh, I don't need that. But, you know, again, if you're really inspired by big goals and this is your thing, like like myself, then I feel you really want to prepare yourself before you kind of go and go for it. Uh, I think I read somewhere that 90 90 plus percent of New Year's resolutions fail. And I think it's because a lot of people, they just like set the goal, but they don't really uh, prepare for it. And preparation preparation can also even, even uh, it's about creating space in your life. You know, just like clearing a little bit of your calendar or, you know, and those kind of things. So I feel the preparation may be very, very important. That is very solid advice. So to wrap up, where can people learn more about you and where can they get your new book? Tell a little bit about your book. Actually, the book is a good good place to start, really. Um, if you Google The Art of Fully Living, that's the name of the book. Uh, it's sold on Amazon. And uh, yeah, like I think it's a good start. And I mean, you can go to fullylive.com. That's where my, my blog is. Um, but I really recommend reading the book. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, a lot of the insights that I had from, from my journey, including my failures. And it's also a cool travel story. It's really written well. Uh, you know, bestseller for, for a long time. And, and yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. So yeah, go check it out. 
The Art of Fully Living by Tal Gur, everyone. Tal, you're an inspiration. Thanks so much for being with us. I really love what you've done and the way that you share it with all of us. Thank you, Robin. I really enjoyed it.